Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Erin McCoy, here with my podcast partner, Charles Bakwe. When a new brewery project is announced, one of the first things that craft beer enthusiasts want to know is, who's going to be their head brewer? That was certainly the case last year when the founders of Fife Street Brewing announced they were going to open a brew pub in downtown Charleston. Well, folks, today on West Virginia Beer Roads, we have that head brewer as our guest. Yes, and I think Charleston area craft beer fans are in for a real treat. Gil Peterson, head brewer for Fife Street Brewing, welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Gil, you moved here last year to take charge of setting up the brewery operations for Fife Street. Now that you've been here for some months, I'm curious as to what your overall impression of Charleston, West Virginia is. I really love my time here so far. Uh, the, the people have been have been super friendly and super welcoming to, to me and my family. Um, the area is great. A lot of stuff to do outside. I've kind of missed that in the past couple of years. So uh, it's been a welcome change all around. Oh, that's good to hear. Um, tell us a little bit about your family. Is it all around? Everybody's adjusting to the move to West Virginia? I think so, yeah. Uh, just me and my wife here. Um, she's been working from home, so <laughs> hasn't seen as much of the area as I have, but um Seems to love the, the four seasons, having four seasons again and oh, yeah, that's <laughs> having everything from water and mountains right right in our backyard. <laughs> that's definitely something we get in West Virginia are all the seasons and they are very crazy. <laughs> yeah, and you say you've gotten out a little bit. I've even seen you out at a couple of local tap takeovers from some of our other breweries and uh, you know, have you gotten a chance though to actually visit some of the other West Virginia breweries? Uh, yeah, I've been to a number in the west side. Um, been down to Free Folk in uh, Fayetteville, um, a couple of in, a couple of breweries in Huntington. Uh, the Peddler is one of my favorite spots, and uh, actually just got back from uh, White Sulphur Springs this past weekend and managed to get over to Big Draft. Hey, that's a that's quite an impressive location. What do you think of all they put in over there? Beautiful brew house and bar, and their beer is top notch. Well, for years we've here at. Uh, Western New Beer Roads and all, we've been promoting the need for more breweries to open up here in Charleston, West Virginia. Now that you've observed our market in, in the Charleston region, especially we want to focus on, do you see that need here too? Or uh, kind of what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I was actually very surprised moving up here at, at the uh, the lack of breweries for a, a sort of metropolitan area it's the size of uh, Charleston and um the fact that there's only one brewery in town, I think, uh, <laughs> I think it's definitely big enough, and there's definitely a, a draw. Uh, could probably easily support three or four more. Yeah, I mean, we we've, we've said that, and a lot of people think <laughs> we wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people think, well, well you sure, but it's just you're right. When you go to other places of this size, you know, capital cities and other states, um, you know, you you just see that. I mean, that's very common. Um, let's talk a little bit more though about you in particular. Let's get into your background. Where'd you grow up? I actually grew up in a small town called Alpena in Northern Michigan. Northern Michigan. How ah. far North is Alpena? Um, or what else is it near? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the big, big question I always get is where's that from Detroit? <laughs> <laughs> right. What, yeah. what major city yeah, is it? Nowhere near, near there actually. So. <laughs> All right. So it, that's a good ways I'd imagine. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, just about an hour uh, south of the Mackinac Bridge. So, okay, did you did you stay there for a while? Uh, yeah, I went to college up there. Um, moved out of state first time when I was twenty one. Okay. 
Um, so that's, that leads me into then what was life like before you chose a brewing career, which I imagine happened right after college. So, uh, yeah, um, I was originally studying engineering when I was in high school and, um, college and was looking at getting a degree in mechanical engineering. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> was getting ready to go to calculus class one morning and I just had this kind of epiphany moment where I just realized I don't really want to do this the rest of my life. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Uh, so it was about that time, actually, that my brother started homebrewing, and that's kind of what introduced me to this, that side of the things. And okay. Took off from there. So you did some homebrewing with your brother, and you were very, it piqued your interest for sure. Yep. Uh, is that when you think maybe you thought, well, I might want to make a, a decision to make a career as a brewer? Uh, yeah, I've always been uh, sort of in love with, uh, you know, natural and physical sciences. Um, so he kind of introduced me to the process and was, you know, telling me, okay, we're going to mash, we're going to do this for half an hour, and then we're going to boil it. And, you know, he knew step-by-step how to brew a batch of beer. And I was the one that was kind of looking at things going, well, why, why do we do that? <laughs> You're the l- learning and being the brewing assistant. Yeah. yeah. So I started doing the research and getting into the science of things. And Well, you had your engineering background, you know. So. <laughs> that, which helps, I'm sure. It does. Yep. Um, so that's what led me to actually apply to the American Brewers Guild, and that's when I went to their uh, brewing science program. Okay. Yeah, talk a little bit about that again. What kind of program is that, and, and, and how long does it take to get through it? What was your experience there? Uh, so it was almost 10 years ago now, so I'm not sure uh, how much they've added on or evolved that program, but uh, uh, I did their correspondence program. So I was actually doing that classwork and um, internship stuff at the same time I was actually going to school full-time as well. Internship at brewing? Yep. Yeah, so that takes us right to your your now your role as a professional brewer and working in breweries tell us a little bit about that experience before you got to charleston certainly kind of like run us through some of your stops along the way where'd you start and then where'd you end up uh, So while i was doing the the schooling uh, i was doing an internship at mount pleasant brewing company in mount pleasant michigan uh, so i was there for about seven months about the, the length of the course uh, just doing some you know general labor cleaning kegs sw- sweeping floors um they did give me the opportunity to do some test batches and work on their pilot system, which is always great. Uh, and I got the drink free. <laughs> so what type of a brewery is the Mount Pleasant Brewing? Is it a small neighborhood brewery or is it larger distribution brewery? Yeah, they started out as a brew pub. Uh, they started dis- distribution uh, about a year or so before I started working with them, um, just doing bottles across the center, uh, central part of the state. And uh, I think recently they changed their name, and I think they probably – up their distribution footprint a little bit in recent years. Mm-hmm. And then from there, where did you go? Uh, I left Michigan shortly after there. And a lot of people have always asked, you know, why did you leave Michigan when it's such a great beer state? You know, there's right, all kinds right. of breweries there that you could have got an opportunity with. Um, arrogance was probably no small part of it. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't want to just clean kegs for two years before I got a shot to do any of the fun stuff. So I, I wanted to put the feelers out there and and see if, if anybody would give me a chance to actually go and brew. Right. Um, so I, I started looking elsewhere and uh, got the opportunity to move to Lincoln, Nebraska for a, a brewery that had just opened up about two or three years prior and was looking to expand a little bit and hire some more brewers. So I jumped at the opportunity to actually go brew beer. Now, uh, being from over here in West Virginia, probably not a lot of us get out to Nebraska. And uh, what kind of a town and how big a place is Lincoln and how how how'd that brewery do out there in that market? 
Uh, so Lincoln's a pretty big city for for being in the sort of middle of nowhere in the Midwest. Uh, it's close to 300,000 people now. Um, yeah, that's a lot bigger than here. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so there's a couple of uh, well-established breweries there. Uh, mm-hmm. The one that I was working for was, uh, like I said, brand new, but uh, kind of trying to make their way in the market. And um, it was a similar production volume as, as Mount Pleasant. So it was a pretty easy transition as far as that goes, but uh, still a big move for, <laughs> for a kid that age. And did, did uh, your experience there advance your career? I mean, what? Oh yeah. learned a lot there. Um, you know, going from just doing pilot system batches every once in a while to actually being on the brew deck four or five days a week. Uh, was a big change and I uh, learned a lot of the uh, production side and scheduling and mm-hmm. uh, sort of just kind of segue, segue my way into uh, the management side of things. Well, I know that wasn't your last stop before here. Um, you had one that took you several years uh, of brewing experience. Let's talk about where you went after that. Uh, I got a couple of years of brewing experience under my belt and then went down to Fairhope, Alabama and joined the Fairhope Brewing Company team uh, as their head brewer. Uh, this was about 2016 and spent five years there. And um, really, I think I kind of hit my stride as a brewer in Fairhope and um, made a lot of my best recipes and uh, also got a lot under my belt as far as management and, and mm-hmm. leadership and um, running the business as a whole instead of just running the, the day-to-day beer making. So five years at Fairhope Brewing in, in Alabama. And that brewery got quite a bit of distribution, didn't they, while you were there? Uh, I did, yeah. It was not quite uh, twice the size of the brewery I was used to, so they, they had a lot more uh, distribution territory. Uh, so they covered the entire state of Alabama, um, coastal Mississippi, and western Florida. Yeah, I've heard people talk about it from, I guess, Pensacola area maybe, or uh, that, that area where they, they, they can get that beer. Yep, had a pretty good footprint there. Yeah. So, uh, what was it like helping Fairhope grow in that Alabama market? And what part of that experience do you think will help you most with the work ahead of you at Fife Street Brewing? Uh, I really think I got into Alabama at a good time because they, uh, Fairhope was one of the first uh, Gulf Coast breweries uh, established down there, one of the first in lower Alabama. Um, there was a couple of larger breweries, but they're all up in the Huntsville and Birmingham area. So that area of the country was pretty sparse as far as craft beer goes. And uh, in the five years that I was there, a couple more uh, really solid breweries popped up. And um, beer culture has always been welcome down there. But now people that, you know, go there for vacations have a chance to explore and drink some really good beer. Yeah, so it might be a little bit like our market where we drink a lot of beer here, really, but we just don't have a lot of local beer. Mm -hmm. Uh, And maybe, you know, you were able to add that to Southern Alabama uh, or help add that anyway. And and you think that experience will really help you here as far as kind of like deciding what to brew and how to brew it? Uh, I think so. Um, but I also don't know a whole lot about the, the West Virginia craft beer market. So uh, I'll use that to my advantage, I think, mm-hmm. and, and just brew a, a good selection of stuff for all kinds of beer drinkers and yeah. kind of see what sticks. Okay. Well, what made you decide to apply for and then accept the position here with Fife Street Brewing? You know, you were in Alabama. Why come to West Virginia? Uh, I think the biggest thing for me was um, just looking for a new opportunity. Um, you know, my wife is from Colorado, so she was not quite <laughs> uh, ecstatic about the landscape down there. I'm more of a beach person than she is, but she really missed the mountains. So we were we we're kind of putting the feelers out, um, trying to get somewhere a little more her style. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we really lucked out with Charleston just having, you know, both of our things right here. 
and local to other things, other landscapes as well, like beaches and. Yep, a lot of stuff's just a stone's throw. Seems like so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about your personal brewing philosophy and what is it that we should expect from you? Uh, I'd like to see a lot of variety when I go to a a new brewery anywhere. Um, You know, I I don't like to uh, walk in and see 10 taps and eight of them are IPAs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I really like to to change it up and just kind of brew, you know, whatever styles come to mind at at a certain time or if if people are looking for a certain thing, um, you know, bring new styles in. But, um, the biggest question I think that a lot of people have asked me so far is what are you going to specialize in? And I don't, I don't want to paint myself into a corner by saying I'm going to do something. You know? Sure. <laughs> um, makes sense. I think a lot of new breweries that, that pop up, you know, if you come out the gate saying, well, I'm going to specialize in German lagers, whatever it is, you make, you better make a damn good German lager. Or you're going to be in trouble. Right. <laughs> right. Well, what would, uh, speaking of uh, making a good beer, what are some of the ones that you did brew at Fairhope, the uh, really styles or whatever you want to call Recipes. them? Recipes. Right? Yeah, that you were very proud of down there, that you might bring that, that experience anyways coming up here. Uh, we had some really good success with the hazy IPA trend that's been going on uh, the last couple of years. Uh, so I definitely want to exploit that a little bit. Um, the Gulf Coast, especially being so hot so, so much of the time during the year, uh, we had a really successful kettle sour program so i'd like to try to expand that and and do some kettle sours in this market i think there's a pretty good demand for them so yeah they, they've been very popular here um certainly the last couple of years especially the fruited up kettle sours i mean that's not only here but i, I see them all over the country mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know yeah do you think that the kind of fruited up kettle sours expands the craft beer market i mean because they tend to often be approachable by people who aren't really traditional beer fans absolutely yeah i think um a lot of you know women in particular not to (laughs) not to (laughs) segregate but women in particular and and wine drinkers um really you know um, take to kettle sours before they take to a lot of craft beers Mm -hmm. being in a place where we don't necessarily sell a lot of wine it's nice to have that option yeah how do you feel about traditional styles like pilsner pillow um, you know, other traditional styles. What's your opinion on that? Uh, traditional styles, that's typically the bulk of what I do. Um, so I like to just do a variety of traditional styles without a whole lot of fruit or spice and, and just make a clean, you know, well done, well thought out recipe. Yeah, there's always a market for good beer. I mean, do you have something for us today that we can taste and something we could uh, – maybe think will be something that will be on the Fife Street tap list? I do. I brought some samples today as a, a golden ale that I've been working on, and it will probably be one of the staples at Fife Street when we get rolling in a couple of weeks. Okay. Aaron, ready? Let's open that up and yeah. uh, pour a sample here, and then we're going to taste it and talk about it. I'm looking forward to it. Let's get started. Gil, will you tell us about what we're going to drink? So I spent the last couple of months working on sort of our – uh, entry-level craft beer, something for the everyday beer drinker uh, who maybe doesn't like super flavorful, you know, hoppy or super sweet beers, uh, something you can drink a lot of in a sitting. So we have here a, a golden ale that will more than likely be a staple uh, for at Fife Street for our opening day. Um, pretty basic malt build, 100% Kolsch malt, uh, a little Hollertau Blanc hops, and some Kolsch yeast. Yeah, it's almost got a little um, whiny uh, hint to it hint i guess is that intended 
Uh, yeah, there's actually a pretty good dose of Hollertau Blanc that, that gives it that kind of white grape, white wine aroma. Uh, and I think that, that flavor really melds well with the sweetness of the malt and gives it kind of an orange marmalade flavor. Yeah, there's a lot of malt in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of malt flavor, not strong or, or roasted in any way because it is a light beer, but um, they definitely get the, the maltiness, the breadiness in this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really does come through. Uh, what kind of ABV does this beer have? Uh, right at 5%. So I, th- I think it's flavorful enough for the, the serious beer drinker to come in and enjoy, but it's also not um, too forward in any way. You can still sit and have a couple of them in a sitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that'll be sort of expression of your philosophy of what a basic standard beer should be? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, this is, like I said, a pretty basic recipe. Uh, gold Ale is a pretty uh, ubiquitous American style. Um, but my goal is just to make one that's, you know, flawless. So... Um, I might not make your favorite IPA in the world, but you know I don't want you to come into my bar and say there's something wrong with it. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes me think of a question I like to talk to brewers about, and that's, you know, what are your feelings on tweaking recipes? I mean, even though you start out and you think you got a great one, are you open to making adjustments down the road? Uh, sure, to some extent. Um, I think if you make an adjustment that really changes the, the profile, the di- di- dynamic of the beer, the drinkability of the beer, um, I don't have a problem with that. I'm, I've always been more comfortable sort of changing the branding out, though. Mm-hmm. So like you take the whole name and come up with a new beer. Yeah, yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. Well, this, is a, this is a delicious beer. We appreciate you sharing it with us. It's got beautiful color and very good carbonation and great flavor, as we've already talked about. Thank you. Um, One thing we know about brewing today is it's definitely not a stagnant art. Brewing evolves as new technology, processes, and ingredients become available. So how do you personally educate yourself in order to adapt and improve your own processes as a brewer? I try to just keep abreast of, you know, the online uh, forums where um, professional brewers can talk to each other about ingredients, uh, recipes, equipment, uh, methodology, and things like that. I also try to sub- subscribe to a couple of publications and, um, you know, read up on the brewing trends, but also the philosophy of management and brewing. Mm-hmm. Do you ever attend any kind of conferences or do anything online like webinars or anything live like that? Uh, I've been to a couple, or not been to, but <laughs> been involved in a couple of web- webinars this year, um, some local stuff. Uh, West Virginia has really done a really good job of doing some, like, farm-to-glass webinars mm-hmm. and some stuff on sustainability and uh, it's pretty valuable info. Those, yeah farm to bottle uh, meetings that we've mm-hmm. done and because those are uh, very nice for a state like ours uh, and trying to connect more local ingredients uh, to, to local brewers too yeah yeah it's important to, for that communication to be open um well i have one question that you know isn't it overall exciting question but the meat of it i think is personally you know, all brewers get excited to talk about things that they like about brewing. But tell me something that you don't necessarily like that's still part of the brewing process that's not cleaning equipment. Because, I mean, obviously, <laughs> that's that's a pretty straightforward answer. But what is something that maybe you don't enjoy about brewing? It can be a little monotonous at times. <laughs> um, you know, especially if you have, I, I would think this golden ale that we're drinking right now is going to take off and we'll do a lot of it. Um, it's a pretty simple recipe. So by the time you're doing the same recipe two or three times a month, it's, <laughs> it's a little, um, 
Boring's a strong word, but it's up there. <laughs> right. It is like challenging to stick to the schedule that you need to stick to without having time for maybe some new things. Right. But yeah, keeping up with your money making beers is the the thing that gives you the freedom to do all the other fun stuff. So sure. Well, I know uh, our buddy John Query will be handling the front of the house kind of uh, side of Fife Street Brewing and be running the bar and the tap room and whatever you want to call that as it opens. We know that'll be in good hands. Are you able to bring in anybody else to work with you on the brewing side? Because, as you said, some of that's not only monotonous, there's also just a lot of work for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've seen breweries run with one person, but I'm betting that wouldn't last long uh, at a brewery this size of Five Street. Yeah, it is a lot of manual labor, and, you know, that on top of the managing side, it's, it is a, a pretty big big job for a week. Um, but yeah, I will have some help, uh, starting out, um, with some, some lab stuff and some just general, you know, grunt labor. Uh, so it shouldn't be too bad, but I think we'll, we'll be, uh, a few months out at least, um, building up production mm-hmm. before we get to the point of, you know, bringing on an assistant brewer or anything like that. Okay. I'm just curious. Makes sense. You mentioned earlier that your brother was a home brewer and kind of got you into home brewing probably was uh, somebody that kind of inspired you at, at that point early in, in, in your brewing experience and stuff. But as you get into brewing, uh, curious uh, about who might have been other brewers or maybe national figures or, or breweries that you just really admire and that inspire you along the way. Uh, I think early on, definitely uh, Sam Caligioni at Dogfish Head was a, a big role model of mine. Um, loved his beer and I've, I read, you know, a couple of his books on, uh, not just brewing, but owning a business and operating a business and a uh, really great philosophy. Uh, yeah, I've, I tried to sort of adopt some of his, uh, personal outlooks on, on product, uh, you know, sustainability and, uh, consistency and branding and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, kind of a, well, of course he's experimental in so many ways, but he's also kind of an East coast brewer, you know? tends to brew certain amount of styles that are more East Coast styles or traditional styles, and then he'll do some more crazy ingredients, you know, searching out historic ingredients. And mm-hmm. is, is that something that we might even expect from Fife Street down the road? Who knows? <laughs> uh, to an extent, yeah. <laughs> I, I, will, I like to experiment once in a while with, you know, a certain spice or a certain fruit. Uh, I'm definitely not going to serve you any chewed up corn. <laughs> <laughs> but what about some experimental hops? Have you gotten into any of those? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I think for the most part, what we're going to have uh, on day one will be some pretty traditional stuff. Sure. Um, but I, I'm hoping to do most of my contracting with uh, Hophead Farms, which is a farm in Michigan, as opposed to going con- completely uh, Pacific Northwest. Oh, yeah, that'll be quite different because Mm -hmm. we see very few hops from Michigan. I think we've seen, I've heard a few people tell me maybe they've picked up some Michigan hops, but that's not common here. Yeah, mostly we get West Coast or Mm -hmm. Pacific Coast. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll be doing a lot of stuff that's, you know, traditional hop strains, you know, a lot of uh, Cascade, Chinook, Centennial, you know, the the standard, American standards. Mm -hmm. Um, But the terroir in Michigan just gives a little more punch. I think it's a little more citrusy, a little brighter flavors, so it's... It's, it's enough to, to be a different beer. Oh, that's exciting for yeah. craft beer drinkers here in yeah. this area, for sure. So back to beer and styles. Everyone that listens knows 
every that Charles and I have certain styles that we like, but we're curious about you. What what is your favorite style of beer? What if you're going to sit down and have a beer at the end of the day? What do you want? Uh, as a beer drinker, I've always been really attracted to the imperial stout. That's just something with big a lot beer. of yep, big bold flavors. <laughs> <laughs> the big boys. Yeah. Uh, all right. And and that kind of translates into my brewing too. I think I I like to do a lot of um, bigger stouts, and we'll do some barrel aging down the road. But that's always a, a go to of mine. Nice. Do you have a runner up? Uh, if I had to put one beer as a category or category of beer as the quintessential beer flavor, I would probably say the Belgian Double. Ah. Yeah, it, yeah, it just checks a lot of boxes for me. Yes, it does me as well. Yeah, the beautiful work of the yeast in those beers, oh, along yes. with that rich malt flavor. flavor. Oh, oh my goodness! Yes, it's wonderful. <laughs> well, exciting. Now, now you've piqued not only our interests here, but everyone listening, and so yay. <laughs> Um, so I think it's been wonderful that you've been attending meetings for our local Canal Valley Homebrew Club, and since we have a, quite a few of homebrewers who listen to our podcast. What is one tip that you would pass to homebrewers to help them brew better beer? Uh, just brew more beer. <laughs> <laughs> volume, volume, yeah. volume. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. In, in, in meeting with those guys and getting to know some of them uh, personally and, and tasting their beer, uh, I can tell you I don't have any knowledge that those guys don't have. I'm not using any methods or certain equipment that those guys can't have access to. Um, it's just you know, I chose to do it for a living. Some of those guys that have been doing it for a long time have brewed a couple hundred gallons in their lifetime. Right. I've brewed probably a quarter million. So it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, you know, they say practice makes perfect. The more you do it, the better you get. Yeah, there's something to be said for consistency, and and you only get consistent probably from doing a lot of batches. So you talk about your equipment a little bit that you're going to be brewing on, just briefly anyway. That and the style of the equipment and and what you know how you will manage that. Yeah, so we've got a, a seven-barrel, uh, two-vessel pub system, basically. Uh, so, so it's a little smaller than what I've been used to, but uh, sort of the same setup. Um, I think a lot of the same principles apply. So I'm not I'm not too worried about having to learn a new system. Uh, it's just learning the intricacies of that system. Uh, so everybody kind of expects a new brewery to go through some kind of learning curve and sure. uh, growing pains. I um, hope I can skip that part. <laughs> <laughs> well, we certainly have our fingers crossed for you. <laughs> but that, I mean, that makes sense. And, you know, just like you said, brew more beer as you, as you use it, you'll, you'll learn all of the equipment the way that you need to and make adjustments as you need to. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I think that about wraps us up. We've introduced Gil Peterson to the Charleston, West Virginia market. Yes, and welcome. We are so excited to have you here. It's been, as we've said during this podcast, we've, we just want more breweries, and we are, we're excited to have you here and look forward to what you're doing and will be doing, and we can't wait to come to your opening. So well, thank, thank you. you for taking the time with us today. It's been a pleasure. Can't wait to have a beer with you. So everyone, later this spring, we hope to all be down at uh, Fife Street Brewing, which is kind of located on Summer Street in downtown Charleston. Yes. But... Uh, We'll keep you abreast of that on uh, the Brilliant Stream website and things about when that opening is going to occur. But it'll be sometime later in the spring, we hope. And uh, Gil, again, thank you for being with us today on West Virginia Beer Roads. Yeah, thanks for having me. This brings us to the close of another podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. Thank you for listening to West Virginia Beer Roads. 
West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.